0: God, we want to thank you for the love of our Savior, the goodness of the King. We thank you for those that have gathered in this place for worship. It is indeed a privilege to gather here. We do love you, we do praise you, we do exalt you, and magnify you for who you are. Yes, indeed, we are free in Christ. God, you have set us free from the bondage of We have the privilege to worship you freely in a land that, oh my God, that you have blessed us to be So we pray today that we'll take full advantage of all that you've given. Now today, give us ears to hear. The word of God will give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. And I also will be reading Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 21 through 22. I was planning to do that a little bit later, but just because Ms. Michelle is, is already up there, uh, I need to, have to go to work. I'm going to read both together, and I might again read it when I get to the portion of the text, in my sermon. Follow along with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. And this is what it says Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near, to listen, is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know what, excuse me, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not wrath with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a, dream come, for a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. When you bow a vow to God, do not delay the for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. Do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. I will read Deuteronomy 23, 21. Deuteronomy, chapter 23, verses 21 through 23. And this is what it says. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it in you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from vowing, you will not be sin. You shall be careful to do what has passed your lips. You have voluntarily vowed to, to the Lord your God. What you have promised with your mind. May the Lord bless the reading of this word. Would you be so kind to repeat the title of this message with me? My approach to God my approach to God. A Point number one, guarding my steps as I enter worship. Guarding my steps as I enter worship. In the book of Proverbs 15, verse 8, the Bible says, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer is acceptable to him in First Samuel chapter fifteen, verse twenty-two, and Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice." And to listen, than the fact of wrath. My approach to God. There are two things that I want you to consider in verse number one. Two things. How we approach God in worship. And secondly, how we plan to obey. Do you not know and recognize that when you draw close to God and draw nigh to him, that it is not only to hear from the word of God, but it is to obey what he says? How we approach God in worship on Sunday or during the week, as we might gather, is vitally important. Do you not know that when you come before the Almighty God, that you are in the presence of holiness? God is a great holy God, and, and some people really don't recognize that when they come before the king of glory, there's no greater presence that you need. Kohel, um, Kohelet. The preacher, Kohelet, in the Hebrew, Kohelet. That means preacher, teacher. That's what Solomon called himself. When we look back in chapter 1, Kohelet, this is what the preacher says. He gives warning about how we are to watch our steps. You know that he, as he wrote Ecclesiastes, that he oftentimes looks at the comparisons of opposites. And, and he's looking at, at, at things that he tested. What is really the meaning of life? I tell you that if you were looking at Solomon and just reading, you would think that he was a very depressed man as you look at the book of Ecclesiastes part parts of it. But he's telling you like it is, and, and, and if you're not careful, you might get the wrong message. But he thought how to understand life and the meaning of life. Today, many people who don't know the Lord oftentimes will end their lives because they think there's nothing to live with. I tell you this, that if one does not have the Almighty God dwelling on the inside, and if one is not responding... To the pull of God, you you will come to the conclusion that it's all meaningless. And it is without God. But all with God is incredible. When we think of the word guard, as he said in chapter 1, uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, guard your steps. We oftentimes consider a person that's not sleeping when we talk about guarding. A person that's watching. You know, I used to, when I was in school, I used to work uh, for a a person in Nevada, the leeches, and I was a security guard. And my job was to watch and to be alert at the locations where I was working. One of those places happened to be at the Northfield Airport in Nevada. I was a security guard there. And let me tell you that it gets lonely out there. It's dark, it's eerie, and at nighttime you hear it, you hear all kinds of things. You look at the real quick, see shadows, and thinking that, oh my goodness, did, did I see something? It wasn't fun. So, of course, I stayed alert most of the time because I didn't like being out there. But my job was to watch it, and to make sure that if anybody came on the premises and I took note of it, I was a guard, I was watching. Let me tell you this, that when we come before the Almighty God, that we don't just come any type of way. We need to guard, or we need to, in other words, we need to watch our steps as we enter into the presence of God. How do we approach God in worship? How do you prepare yourself in the morning when you're about to go to worship? Do you prepare yourself and say, "I'm I'm about to go before the great King of glory to be be able to be in His presence with the saints? Or do you give any consideration and say, Oh, I'm just struggling to get there. Or do we take time to say, Oh God, may I enter Your presence with holiness. May I enter into Your presence with the mindset of worship. We oftentimes say, Oh, it's time for church. It's Sunday. I go to church without really preparing our hearts and ourselves to be in the very presence of God. Note the caution in his word. He says, guard your steps as you come. This is a matter of worship. He's going to worship. And he says the house of God, so he's going to the temple to worship the Almighty God. Even when you might spend time, even in your own devotion, you need to guard your steps. You need to watch how you approach him. We can't just come with a flippant attitude, as many people may do. But you need to come with the reverence. We need to know that the service that we are rendering is unto the sovereign and the great God. We are gathering before him to acknowledge his worthiness, that he's great and worthy not know that the Bible, when we talk about God's holiness, it refers to the fact that he is so holy that he can't tolerate sin in his presence? When we think about the holiness of God, it's just not a word that's out there. It speaks of the very nature of who God is. That God is a just God. He cannot let sin go unpunished. But oh, on the other end, he exists grace, extends mercy so that we are able to enter into His very presence. So when you come before the Lord Almighty, how do you approach Him? Do you really take time to recognize that you are about to enter and He bids you to come? We need to get out of ourselves when we come to church. Oh, I'm just barely making it oh, all I can get there. No, the Lord helped me to get there. I'm about to enter your presence. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about him. The second thing that we know is that when we enter into the presence of God, as we enter into worship, we have to come with the mindset that, number two, we are to obey him. Many people don't go to church with the expectation that, what am I going to hear today so that I can go and obey it? You see, when you draw near, it takes into account, when it says, watch your steps, that when you come to him, it automatically includes that you're going to leave with the mindset to obey what you've heard. You see, many people don't do that. They don't prepare. They just come they hear, and they leave, making no plans to do anything different. You follow me? When we gather together, here, we come to hear what is it that the Lord is saying. That I can follow up and do what He says. Many people feel that they've done their deeds simply by showing up. I have graced you with my presence. You ought to be happy. That's how many people feel. God, I am here. Say thank you to yes. me, God. I it. Mean, no, we come to God and we see that we are coming to the King and then we are saying, Lord, what can I do to show that I love Psalm says, draw near, it automatic automatically implies obedience. You do not simply get instructions to do nothing with them. If my kids were told to go clean your room, and this is what I want you to do, and they stood in front of me, and then they went and turned the TV off and sat down on the couch, I would think, did you hear me? I was not just talking. I would would stop and think, did, did they hear what I just said? They were looking at me. I took it that they understood. But their actions seemed to be that they didn't understand. And so I'm going to ask them, did you understand? Did you hear me? I'm expecting an answer. I do expect an answer if I'm talking to them. I told you this story before. My daughter, on one occasion... She must have been about six, about seven years old. We were leaving, and I told her that she needs to hurry up so that we can go. And so I decided to play a trick on her. I normally would we park in the garage, and I decided, okay, we're in, the, we're in the car, and I had the car in the car in the driveway, and I said, I'll get her. So I closed the garage door from inside. They stepped inside the kitchen real quick. I heard her running down the stairs real fast. Oh, you foolish She opens the garage door and says, Yes! Closes the garage door, grabs the remote to the TV, turns the TV on, and jumps on the couch and sits down. I'm looking up there and say, Girl, laughing. Turn that TV off and let's go. She was beside herself. She was about to have a good time watching TV. She was happy because she could be all by herself. She played trick on me. I thought that was spoiler. I to this day I have not forgotten that. When we come into the presence of the Almighty God, we come with the expectation that we're going to obey. You need to think about that when you come to church. It is to hear the word and then follow up and obey. Now note carefully the words of the foolish in that they come to God offering their view of what it means to honor God. The Bible says, He says, draw near to listen, verse one, he said it says, draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. You see, those who draw near uh, to God and they began to offer their own praise and offer their own um, idea of what it means to, to bring something to God, it, it, is, it is important to note that they are not utilizing the word of God. You see, when the Bible speaks of a fool, it is the fool who oftentimes bounce off at the mouth. That wit is not holy or righteous, nor do they oftentimes give much thought to what they're saying. And, and Solomon said that it's better to draw near first to listen to what the Lord is saying. To what? Go ahead. The preacher is saying. You see, the people had the responsibility of listening to the priests. Well, what is it that I need to hear? That I need to take away? It was a fool who was just willing just to began to say things and had no intention on following up on anything that they heard. When the Bible speaks of the fool, it is not because they don't have sense. It's just because oftentimes they don't take into account that they are acting and responding outside of God's will, and they're not utilizing and not honoring the King of glory. It's not that they're not able to, to understand, but it is important to know that they have already made up their mind that they know what God wants. Have you oftentimes heard a person give their philosophy and understanding of what it means to honor God? A person who does not know the Lord? Have you really listened to? They are oftentimes following their own view. And then they misapply the scripture if they happen to use it. The Bible talks about that person being a fool. You see, it's the fool who oftentimes wants to offer to God what they think is best. Well, this is what I believe. There's a lot of people who who think they're okay with God, but they're not. Why? Because they didn't come to listen and they didn't come said to be able to go out and then do what he said. Solomon was a man who had great wisdom, but he blew it. And I believe that as he talks about at times of fooling, listening, and doing what the Lord says, that he possibly had even his own self in mind, as he later in life left the Lord and began to do that which was wrong. Now, he I also read to you back in the passage Passage from 1 Samuel, the Bible talks about to obey is better than sacrifice. It was Saul who decided to take matters into his own hands when he had received specific instructions that he was to follow the Lord. But because he got scared, because he, he saw the enemy, and because he recognized, thought that that I, I I need to hear from the Lord, I must go ahead and do this because I don't know what else to do. If you don't know what else to do, sometimes it is just good to just be still and not do anything. Because sometimes you'll get yourself into trouble when you begin to move and you're not sure in the direction in which you're going. And it was Saul that was rebuked by Samuel because he didn't obey. And then he was told to kill the king, kill everything, Saul. That, that God has ordained for you. And He didn't do that. It, it, it was something that the Lord says, I'm going to do this because this particular king, he, he waylaid my people. He took advantage of them as they were coming to you. So I want you as my instrument of judgment. God's holiness. You're going to be my instrument of judgment to execute judgment. Now go do it. And He refuses. Did you not know that everything that God asked you to do is not going to be pleasant? It's not going to give you warm, bubbly feelings all the time. But I tell you this, that if we learn to just obey God and do what he says, our lives will work out so much better. In verse number two, we must recognize that when we come to God, his abode is in heaven and ours is on earth. There's a great distance between us and God, not only in regards to distance physically of where he dwells, but also in understanding. I think we tend to forget who God is. Sometimes we can become so familiar with God that we relate to Him as if He's our bosom bud buddy. What's up, old man? No, no, no. God is a holy God. God is awesome. He's the King of glory. He's the Prince of peace. He's the Lord of the Lord. He's majestic. And so we've got to be very careful how we approach Him. Be not rash with your mouth, sir, and let not your heart be hasty to utter a word. Sometimes it's just good to just sit quietly in the presence of the Almighty God. Why? Because you don't have anything to bargain with. We sometimes try to think with God. You don't have anything to bargain with. You're bankrupt. You file chapter 7, 11, 13, whatever chapter it is. You're bankrupt. You have nothing to bargain with. But oh, in the presence of God, he will give you at times of peace that surpasses all understanding. We've got to understand that we've got a God who who, who, who longs to be with us and to impart to us his wisdom. When you sit before the Lord, just Sometimes, when we don't know what to say, well, sometimes, we we'll rash statements and say rash things. We need to be very, very careful. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes. the commentators have, when you look at verse number 3 and 7, they have a hard time with this because there's not clarity. It's a very difficult passage and understanding. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, But it seems to me that this is maybe one of the proverbs that oftentimes would say if you look through the book of, of Proverbs, you will sometimes see certain phrases repeated um, over or a line that seems to be inserted that seems to have nothing to do what we said. Now, if we're reading this, it's like, what in the world does a dream have to do with what he's just talking about? But it speaks about the person oftentimes that's rash to come with the Lord. He's not talking about the dream necessarily of a person having dreams when they fall asleep. But a person who's oftentimes dreaming big, they got big ideas without really giving much thought to what they're doing. Sometimes when you dream big and you don't decide, you don't look at the planning part of it, you can sometimes get yourself in trouble. You let a person that's a, that's a fool, that a foolish person, just let them talk. They will talk themselves into trouble at times. Just let them go on and talk. You ain't got to say much of anything. They're going to talk themselves into trouble. So when talking about dreams, it's oftentimes a person who has very big ideas, lofty ideas without giving much thought to. And we just want to begin doing things. But then take the planning. Now it does not mean, it doesn't mean that it's not good to plan. It doesn't mean Can't dream. It's good to dream. But one has to be mindful that when they have big ideas and big dreams, that you think about what it is that you are doing. Verse number four brings us to point two, and I have to end briefly in just a short time. Vows and trouble. Vows, B O W S, and trouble. Chapter five, verse No pleasure in the Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. The actual wording of that is when you vow a vow. That's how it actually reads. When you vow a vow. Many people oftentimes make vows oftentimes a person will give extra because maybe their words are not to be believed. But they will go beyond and they will make a vow. God, if you do this, I'll be there every time. When the Bible talks about a vow here, it is speaking about something that a person has done voluntarily. There was no pressure from the Lord to do it. There was no pressure necessary to somebody else you made a volunteer. Back in Deuteronomy, when the Bible says, if you make a vow, be sure to carry it out. Now, it's not talking about, you know, there's, there's a vow that we're, that we're going to be dealing with, what well, we're dealing with it on, and Wednesday, for the group that comes out on Wednesday, one of the judges who made a very rash vow. I'm not going to go into that now, but we'll, we're coming towards made a vow to the Lord, the Lord says that if you make a vow, and there's a whole past in Deuteronomy, I believe that deals with vows, what makes a vow it's important, that you carry it out. And the Bible says, carry it out quickly. You see, if you voluntarily say something to the Lord when you really didn't have to, you've opened your mouth and said, I'm going to do it, and God is. Not to do something that's sinful, but to do what you said. And he says here, it would have been better not to even vow. What doesn't have to vow; it's voluntary. But oftentimes when we want to make an impression, we say, Lord, if you do this for me, I will do this for you. Do you not know, know a lot of people do that? If you bless me here, then I'll serve you in this way. And lo and behold, you don't see them. They don't do it. Why? Because when they make a vow, it is out of the flesh. It is what they are feeling at the moment. It's what they are experiencing. But they don't have the power of God to help them to complete it because they get in the flesh and they had no plan. They had good intentions to do it, but their mouth started going without them really saying, now Lord, if you do this, I really want to be faithful hey, to you. Do? Would you help you. Oftentimes I think you would do much better. I say, Lord, if you bless me Help me to be able to carry out your will. Why? Because there's something that we really, really really want, and we make a vow. That I'm going to do this. And then when the time comes to carry out, we don't follow through. Be very careful that one does not do this. You see, our flesh will oftentimes lead us to making vows that we cannot Anytime your flesh makes a vow, prepare for it to be broken. Your flesh will break vows. Why? Because it's flesh. You made a vow to the Lord. Have you fulfilled it? How many of you right now have made a vow to the Lord and you still have fulfilled? Then promise to Lord, I make this vow to you. We need you to just say, Lord. Obey. You see, this is the whole point of these things. When you gather before the Lord, you come to listen and you then go to obey. Look carefully. That we must be. To mean a vapor or a breath. That seems which to be paradoxical. That which is vanity. He, he, he's saying to you that one has to be careful. How do you approach God? Do you come with many words? Do you come to get these innocent presences? I want to challenge you How we approach Him. How you approach Him personally in your own devotion. If you're not spending any time with the Lord, you need to start. Just, Lord, I just need grace. I started something that I hadn't done in a while. I said, Lord, I don't know what this day is going to bring. Whatever happens, prepare me for it, and I will just take it that you are the one that's ordained it. The very things I had planned, none of it worked out. And I have to say, Lord, well, you ordained it. I asked you. And I have to take it as that. And I noticed something. All oh, the little small details in between God was working out. The time's here. So I can't do this. And the call will come here. I have to cancel this. Oh, bless the Lord. Allow me to do this now that I couldn't do. And there's something else happens. Oh, God, you are so good. Why? Because it's the Lord who was orchestrating your day. Because why? You said, God, I will obey. orchestrate my day. I have these plans, but God, carry it out. Help me to carry it out according to your purpose and your life. And I tell you this, that God will do it. If you come with this desire, he'll put people in your path. At just the right time that you need to say something to him, he'll do it. Why? Because you're willing to be obedient to him. How you approach God is so important. So I challenge you today take another look that when you come into the presence of If you come with a heart of quiet and guardedness, then with the will to obey what the word says. we saying a song this morning as I come into the presence, past the voice of the place, to a sanctuary, to stand. eagerness to be in his presence. Why? Because he wants to be with us. Today, Lord, we are in this place. And we recognize today that we have often fallen short of your glory. You have the best for us. May we not live be neat nor be You do everything perfectly. you bless us. And even when it seems like things are not working out, Lord, that doesn't mean that you have not orchestrated nor ordained that. But we pray today that we will take the very good and the bad and learn to honor you no matter what happens. That, that we will start our day in the presence of the kingdom of glory. Just spend the day of then, Offer, Lord, our worship and praise to you with the expectation of obeying you. We know the enemy may have various things planned, but oh, we want to be covered with your praise. So today we pray that as we leave here, that we will leave today with a mindset, not as the food just to, to say things, but as the I'm going to do what the Lord has said to do. If I made a vow to the Lord, then God, I'm sorry if I haven't fulfilled it. Help me to fulfill the vow. And to then be careful when I say, what? Just to come and be quiet And, to and then to offer worship and, and praise We love you today and we give you all the glory. Praise you for who you are. Again, pray, the Lord. God will be able to go back safely, give travel and mercy, bless those that will be traveling home today into various places, give guidance to travel and mercy, may the word of God be guarded.